to the Mariners podcast from Sports Ethos, your place for worldwide sports coverage. I'm your host, Tino Ganasius. You can find me on Twitter at TinoJr20 and the podcast at Ethos Mariners. <clears throat> Today, I am going to assess the performance of each of the Mariners uh, batters or hitters that are currently on the 26-man roster. I'm going to go from Cal Raleigh at catcher all the way down to Teo Scar Hernandez in right field. We're going to talk about <clears throat> their performance so far this season, what the expectations were, what the projections look like, uh, and then deep dive into some of the more advanced metrics as to what they can do uh, to improve their performance and what they've been doing well. Found some really interesting things as I dove deeper into the uh, <clears throat> performances of each of the Mariners hitters so far this season. There's a lot of reason uh, for excitement and improvement. Um, not a lot of players overperforming their expectations. I think that uh, overall, you know, the park has had a big impact on the Mariners' ability to hit this season. Uh T-Mobile warms up as every other park does, but is a lot more hitter friendly as the weather gets warmer. So let's dig in. Today I'll do hitters. Uh, tomorrow I'll do pitchers. Again, this was a pretty fun exercise for me uh, to, you know, there's the eye test, which I certainly, you know, having watched every Mariners game, you certainly have your idea as to what it is that you see um, as you're scouting. And as you're evaluating, but the reality is that it has to be backed up with numbers as well, that the numbers and the eye test are both important. So I try to incorporate both when looking at uh, <clears throat> at the Mariners hitters. So with that, let's get started. Um, again, I'm going to go from, from catcher to right field in order. Uh, Cal Raleigh is the first player I looked at. Cal Raleigh is <clears throat> so far this season. Okay, I should uh, do a little pre-frame here as well. I did use Fangraph's war as the war number that I'm sharing. I'm also uh, citing WRC plus, uh, which is weighted runs created plus as another stat. Uh, for those who don't know, uh, average WRC plus is 100. Anything below 100 is a less than average offensive major league player. Anything above av above 100 is above average, uh, as an example, a 110 WRC plus means that that player is 10% better than league average um, weighted runs created. So Cal Raleigh is good for 1.7 war, Fangraph's war so far this season. It's a pr pretty big number. Um, he's looking like a three war catcher that incorporates defense as well. Uh, Cal Raleigh this season in 294 plate appearances has 11 home runs, 37 runs and 35 RBIs. It's got about a 10% walk rate, 26% strikeout rate. Those are all kind of in line with um, what I expected to see from Cal Raleigh offensively this season. His triple slash is 233, 299, and an OPS of 703. You'd like to see that OPS <clears throat> a little bit higher. I believe he was in the 770s last year, if I'm not mistaken. And his WRC plus is 99. Uh, so under the hood, what's going on with Cal Raleigh. Um, as I dug, what I found is that his OPS, his on-base plus slugging, has decreased each month over the course of the season. March, April, it was 801, all the way down to July. So far, it's 509. Uh, is that injury? Is that fatigue? Is he playing too much? I don't really know, but clearly there's something going on with him with the decrease in OPS. Um, pitchers could also be look, uh, approaching him a little bit differently as well. This season, he's making more contact than he did last year, but the contact he's making is is weaker. So 11.6% barrel rate this season, 15.4% barrel rate last season. That was one of the big deals with Cal Raleigh in 2022 was the 15% barrel rate. Hard hit rate is down about 4% over last year. Uh, his ground ball percentage is up. His line drive percentage is up, but his fly ball percentage is down. And really, Cal Raleigh makes his hay offensively by hitting fly balls and home runs. Uh, swinging strike rate, interestingly, is down a bit. And then his uh, triple slash versus right-handers is 225, 302, 720. But versus lefties, it's 211 with a 584 OPS. So clearly, he's not hitting for power. 
um, versus left-handed pitchers. We knew that. That's why the uh, the Mariners also roster Tom Murphy. Uh, but the numbers so far this year support that. The only other numbers of note uh, for me is that he's a little faster than I expected. His uh, sprint speed is in the 45th percentile. Um, so he's hitting the ball more often. He's not hitting the ball as much in the air. And he's not hitting the ball as hard as he did last season. Uh, his swing path could be different. He could be hurt. Um, as I said, his OPS has decreased each month over the course of the season. Uh, but he's played a solid defensive catcher. Um, I think he is a uh, slightly above league average catcher all in all. His projections for the season are 20 home runs, 67 runs, 64 RBIs. And he projects out as a 3.1 war player. A three war catcher uh, who is not playing every single day is of great value to really any team. The grade that I gave Cal Raleigh uh, for the first half is a B. I gave him a B because I think there's more power in his bat. I think he, a slight change in his bat path or his swing path um, could help him quite a bit. Uh, so he has not hit for the same amount of power as he has last, as he did last year. But everything else is kind of in line. Um, what I see from Cal Raleigh moving forward, not just in 23, but past that, is a mid-20s home run catcher who plays slightly above average defense and hits somewhere between, say, 220 and 240. Uh, it's a valuable piece. And the Mariners have him under team control, I believe, for the next four years. So I uh, like Cal Raleigh a lot. Um, again, I don't I don't think that uh, you could expect a whole heck of a lot more than what he's given uh, the Mariners so far this season. So Cal Raleigh is a free agent in 28. So the Mariners have five years of uh, – four and a half years of team control, and he's only 26 years old. All right, moving right along. The next player is Tom Murphy. I gave Tom Murphy an A. Uh, he's sitting 278, 330 with an 856 OPS and a 139 WRC+. plus. Now, this is only in 107 plate appearances. Obviously, he's a part-time player. He's been worth uh, half of Fangraph's war so so far this season. He has five home runs, 10 runs, 10 RBIs. Walk rate is 7.5%, K rate at 29%. So those numbers are pretty much in line. He's definitely a power player, short side platoon catcher. Uh, He projects out to nine home runs, 18 runs, 18 RBIs, about a one war player. His BABIP is extremely high at 355. I think that's the reason for his 278 average. I think he's more of a true... 240 hitter, 230 hitter even, uh, but he does hit the ball pretty hard. Um, nothing else really of note other than uh, a 50.7% pull, percent pull rate and a 16.1% swinging strike rate. So it's very clear he's trying to pull fly balls, um, trying to hit for power. His uh, Versus the fastball, he's hitting 306 with the 592 slug. Uh, and then his whiff rate is 32.4%, which is pretty high uh, compared to major league average, about 8% higher than major league average. Uh, so he's, he mashes left-handed pitching, uh, pulls the ball. Like I said, lots of fly balls, trying to hit home runs, um, but and plays solid defense. So, you know, if you couple a power hitting right-handed catcher, as Tom Murphy is, with Cal Raleigh, I think you've got a very nice, offensively, a very nice uh, catcher uh, platoon. I don't know that there's a lot of upside with these two, but the Mariners should be very happy with the production they've gotten from both Tom Murphy and Cal Raleigh uh, so far this season. Next is Ty France. Uh, Ty France obviously is the first baseman for the Mariners. I gave Ty France a C- minus for the first half of the season. Uh, he is hitting 261, 332 with a 721 OPS and a 108 WRC plus, uh, 5.1% walk rate, 17% K rate. Uh, but he's hit only seven home runs so far this season. So what's my um, knock on Ty France? Why does he have a C minus? I don't know that I expected a ton more from him other than obviously got a few more than uh, seven home runs. But he he's really not doing any damage, and he's gone away a little bit from what he's done well uh, in his in his career. So this season, he has the lowest average exit velocity of the last three years. 
He ranks only in the eighth percentile, believe it or not, in baseball for average for average exit velocity. Uh, but he's got the highest launch angle of the last three years, so he's hitting the ball in the air more, um, and the highest pull rate of the last three years. So clearly, he's he's either accidentally or trying to hit the ball in the air uh, pull side more than he has in his career, which means he's there's a good chance he's consciously trying to add power. However, it's done the had the opposite effect. I think Ty France is better suited going back to who he's been, which is a high average contact hitter and not try to hit home runs. If he happens to luck into a home run, that's great, but he's not a home run hitter. I think he will, because of the contact rates, I think he would stumble into 15 to 20 home runs. But as of now, his projections uh, project him out for 13 home runs, also 96 runs and 65 RBI. So Projections have Ty France as a one and a half war player, which is not acceptable from a first baseman on a uh, team that's that fancies itself as a playoff team. Uh, statistically, the other the other big number that I found for Ty France will be besides his eighth percentile sprint speed is, is that for his career. He has pretty even splits versus lefties and righties um, versus lefties 285 with the 796 OPS versus righties. 271 with a 763 OPS. However, this season, he's hitting 329 against left-handed pitching and 239 against right-handed pitching. So he's got a 90-point difference uh, between lefties and righties. And uh, from an OPS standpoint, it's almost 200 points difference. So he's struggling against right-handed pitching this season. He's not hitting for any – he's not doing any sort of damage versus righties. And he's looking like a – 13 to 15 home run hitter at first base. If he's hitting 300, right? If he's hitting, if his on-base percentage is say 360, then you can deal with the lack of of home runs at first base. But I think given given what he's done so far this season, I think the question needs to be asked at the deadline, do the Mariners need to make a move at first? Um, And, uh, upgrade over Ty France. I do think that as long as Mike Ford doesn't get too exposed, we'll talk about him later, uh, Ty France or Ty France could sit against some tough right-handers and have uh, Mike Ford uh, play first base. But that, obviously that's not what you expected from Ty France coming into the season. So again, he gets a C minus from me. It's below average offense at first base. He can't hit right-handers very well. He plays an average first base defensively from what I can see, um, and the Mariners need to improve there. So the previously mentioned Mike Ford projects out to 15 home runs, if you can believe that, and to be a 1.3 war player. That's only 0.2 war behind Ty France in limited action. Uh, What is Mike Ford? He is a dead fastball pull fly ball hitter through and through. Um, he's a strong side platoon DH right now and first baseman. And really that's it. Uh, he's looking to yank the ball down the right field line or to right field with every swing that he takes. He's been highly productive thus far. Um, he's, they got, Mariners got pretty lucky, uh, with him. I hope that he doesn't get exposed too much, um, moving forward. Uh, he's the first hitter I've seen when checking, uh, baseball savant to see more breaking balls thrown uh, to him than fastballs. It's 39.7% breaking ball and 38.3% fastball that Mike Ford has faced thus far this season. Why? Because he's hitting 167 against the breaking ball and 325 with a 725 slug against the fastball. So as I said, dead red uh, hitter for sure. Um, 45% pull rate. Uh, 47% fly ball rate. So lots of pulled fly balls from him Um, running a 15% barrel, which is great. And a 20.4 degree launch angle, which uh, is indicative of the fly ball rate that I talked about earlier. Um, So he's been, as I've said, he's been highly productive uh, much, much more than anyone ever expected from Mike Ford. Uh, He's hit so far this season. He has eight home runs in 91 plate appearances. That's pretty incredible. Uh, 
But I do think that Mike Ford, if exposed too much, um, would face uh, some struggles. And I think that's why he hasn't been a major league regular thus far. As long as he has fastballs to hit and can get into fastball counts, Mike Ford is going to continue to do damage. A couple other stats of note, his chase rate is 23.6%. So uh, that's the percentage of pitches outside of the strike zone that he swings at. That's 5% lower than league average, which is great. And his whiff rate is 29%, which is about 5% higher than league average. So he swings and misses more often, but he doesn't swing or chase nearly as much as other hitters do. So A-plus, Mike Ford, great job. Uh, keep it up. Hope he c- continues to see fastballs. On to everyone else's or everyone's favorite, uh, Colton Wong. Second baseman, the Mariners signed from the Milwaukee or traded for from the Milwaukee Brewers, excuse me, in the 2023 offseason, 22-23 offseason. Everyone knows Colton Wong's been horrible. Uh, so far this season, he's hitting 161, 247 on base percentage, and only a 458 OPS, which is horrendous. Good for a 36 WRC plus. He has one homer. He has no steals. Um, he's been crappy. You know, just to be blunt, uh, his projections are terrible. I'm not even going to read them. You can extrapolate from what I just said, what you think they're going to be. He is a negative war player as of right now because of his bad offense. He's also a negative uh, defensive war second baseman as of right now. Um, So obviously 1.6% barrel rate, 27% hard hit rate, all terrible numbers. Is the lowest average exit velocity of his career. One positive or potential positive where you can look for some regression to the mean is, or progression to the mean, I guess, is that he has a 205 BABIP, which is very, very low. That means he's gotten unlucky on some balls, but I also think it's a product of him not hitting the ball very hard. Um, Highest ground ball rate since 2020, lowest line drive rate of his career, highest fly ball rate of his career. So he's hitting the ball up in the air too much. Um, and he's a, his speed is only in the 40th percentile, which is uh, obviously not what you would expect from him as your uh, light-hitting second baseman. So I gave him an F. Obviously, he's been – if there was a G grade, I would have given him that too. But as I've said previously, I think there are – it's worth saying why or exploring why Jerry DePoto uh, traded for Colton Wong. Uh, DePoto has been ripped – for Wong's performance and for the fact that they uh, the Mariners acquired him. But since 2017, uh, four of his six seasons, he had a WRC plus of uh, higher than 107. And in 2022, it was 117. In 2021, it was 110. So last year, from a weighted runs created perspective, which is a, a good overall all-encompassing um, offensive statistic, Colton Wong was 17% better than your league average hitter, not at second base, but in the entire league, he was 17% better. So, and the previous year he was 10% better. So Jerry DePoto didn't see this coming, obviously. And he's paid to predict what a player is going to do next season. We all know that, but it's hard for me to find fault in his decision to bring, bring in Wong because of his performance over the last two years. There's nothing in his profile besides his third, besides being 32 that said he was going to fall off a cliff. But this year he's hit the ball with a wet noodle. And there's no reason for opposing teams to fear Colton Wong uh, and that Colton Wong would do damage. So last season in 22, he had 24 doubles, four triples, and 15 home runs. The previous year in 21, he had 32 doubles, two triples, and 14 home runs. So he was hitting doubles. He was double-digit home runs. And the power has absolutely disappeared. So I had a buddy who I was going back and forth with about Colton Wong uh, and Jesse Winker, for that matter, uh, text me yesterday and we were debating and he's like, well, Wong was in a launching pad, you know, or uh, excuse me, Winker and Wong were in a launching pad in in Milwaukee and should have known that they were going to fall off a cliff. And Milwaukee's actually a has been a below average um, hitters park for left-handed hitters, three years rolling. So it's 98 overall, three years rolling is the park factor on baseball savant, which means it was it's 2% more difficult for a left-handed hitter in Milwaukee. But the home run 
Park factor was 110. So it's 10% easier for a lefty to hit a home run in Milwaukee. Seattle is 89 overall and a 90 home run. Three years rolling for left-handed hitters. So yes, does the park impact Colton Wong? Absolutely it does. Um, Should we have expected a slight dip over his 117 WRC plus? For sure, but not to where he is. Um, I think the park is contributing. Obviously he's declining uh, physically because of his age, but the power is just gone. The confidence is gone. The production is gone and the Mariners need to do something about, about a second baseman that can hit right-handed pitching. F grade Colton Wong. I was rooting for you uh, at this point in time. I can't defend you anymore. Jose Caballero. Caballero has played a little bit of shortstop, a little bit of third base. Really, he's a second baseman by trade. Uh, He's been a revelation for the Mariners. They got him from the Diamondbacks. Uh, Just a bit player. I think everyone saw him as such. Nobody really had him on their radar coming into this season. Jose Caballero this season had been a 1.6 war player. That is equivalent to J.P. Crawford. That is higher than Teo Hernandez, Jared Kelnick, Eugenio Suarez, just below Cal Raleigh. And believe it or not, he is tied for, sorry, he's tied with J.P. Crawford at 1.6. But believe it or not, he is tied for third in offensive war uh, for the Seattle Mariners hitters so far this season. So 1.6 war, three homers, 15 steals, 12% walk rate, 21% K rate, 233 average, but a 361 on base percentage and a 110 WRC plus. The projections for Jose Caballero are that he would hit five home runs, but have 27 stolen bases, believe it or not, and be a 2.9 fan graphs war player. It's crazy. What's even more crazy than that is he's a fly ball hitter. Uh, He's hit fly balls and line drives 54% of the time, um, 27% each. And he's pulled the ball 46% of the time. So he's a pull, line drive, fly ball hitter, which is a, you know, a power profile to a certain extent. Um, His 93rd percentile sprint speed, which is obviously means that he's very fast. uh, And his outs above average is in the 91st percentile. So very good defensive uh, player as well. So very, very valuable. Gets on base. Steals bags. Obviously, we know he's an irritant to opposing team uh, pitchers, uh, which I like. Uh, has played a very good defensive second base for the Mariners. All these things look great. Um, but the scary part about Caballero's profile is that he is a 308, 455, 878 OPS hitter so far this season against lefties. And he hits 191 against right-handers. So he clearly is a short side platoon, middle infield utility player. Very clear. I think that there's lots of value in that. Um, But that's clearly, that's who he is. He's also redundant, um, or he renders Dylan more redundant because they do essentially the same thing. Dylan Moore signed a three-year almost $9 million contract with the Mariners uh, this offseason. And so now you have two players in Moore and Caballero who do essentially the same thing. I don't think it's necessary to have them both unless one of them is platooning in left field as well. But to have those two plus A.J. Pollock is um, overkill to me. And I think that uh, one of those positions needs to be replaced eventually. Uh, One other thing with Caballero is I think he is starting to get exposed as well. 414 on base percentage in May, 368 in June, so far 278 in July. Uh, So he's not the answer as a starting second baseman, in my opinion, Um, but he is a big contributor, and I gave him an A for his first half grade. Uh, Super unexpected. Next is Dylan Moore. 30 plate appearances so far this season is not enough to truly judge. In 2022, he hit 224 with a 368. Uh, OBP, six homers and 21 steals in 255 plate appearances. Who does that sound like? To me, that sounds like Jose Caballero. Uh, high, low average, high on base percentage, 20 plus steals. Um, so to me, they're the same player. 
if they continue down the path that you would expect from both of them, they're the same player. I gave Dylan Moore an incomplete. I think Dylan Moore wins out because of the salary. Unfortunately, um, I like Caballero better as a player. I think Caballero plays better defense. Uh, and I like his the the edginess uh, of his attitude on the field. But we'll see. I don't think it's a problem to carry both of them if you're not carrying A.J. Pollock as well. But we'll get to him. Hey, Eugenio Suarez, Mariners third baseman. So far this season, Gino has hit 11 home runs, 52 runs, 52 RBIs, a 10.3% walk rate, a 28% uh, K rate. Sorry, uh, 28% K rate, hitting 227, 323 with only a 700 OPS and a 101 WRC plus. Excuse me. 36 runs, 52 RBIs. That is different. So Suarez is a notorious, um, a notorious kind of hot weather second half uh, hitter. He projects out to 20 home runs, 95 RBIs, and two and a half WAR. Um, his barrel rate is the lowest it's been since 18, but it's still in the 82nd percentile. He's still hitting tons of fly balls. Um, his hard rate hit rate is the highest of his career. He's hitting the ball harder than he ever has. He's pulling it a little bit less. He doesn't have any real platoon splits to speak of. And he's been a 93rd percentile outs above average third baseman for the Mariners so far this season. So, you know, he is a value, plays a very good defensive third base, hits the ball hard. Um, but he's a dead red, another dead red fastball hitter. 268 with a 428 slug versus fastball. 165 against breaking pitches, 167 against off speed. Um, so I think he's going to heat up. Um, there have been signs uh, for his career. He's a seven, he hits, his OPS is in the 700s, March through July. Career OPS in August is 849. Career OPS in September, October is 817. First half career OPS 763, second half 829. So clearly a second half hitter. I think there's more in his bat. He's hitting the ball very hard, as I've said. He's very selective. 5% less chase rate than league average. Um, He does whiff more, though. 7.5% higher whiff rate than league average. So I gave Suarez a C+. Right now, he's on pace for 20 home runs. That's not going to cut it, but he's a very good defensive third baseman. And um, I think he's the kind of player who, if you've invested your resources elsewhere, uh, he can do the job at third. Also, if you take a look at third baseman or third base production across the league, it's not a a position that uh, hits for nearly as much power as um, I think it has historically. I've always thought of third base as a power a power position, and it's not quite that anymore. Um, you've got, you know, you've got players like Jose Ramirez, Josh Young, Nolan Arenado, uh, hitting for power, and there are a lot of double digit home run hitters, but the there aren't any three hundred hitters, and it looks like the highest average that I see with the top third baseman is Jose Ramirez hitting 289. So, you know, you get power from third base uh, across the league. Obviously no one expects Suarez to be a top five third baseman in in baseball, but um, so far this season, he's been slightly below expectation for me. That's why I gave him a C plus. Um, But I do expect more power from him moving forward. JP Crawford starting shortstop Seattle Mariners. Uh, this was one where I was stunned when I when I dug deeper into his profile. 1.6 war player so far this season, eight homers, 33 runs, 33 RBIs, uh 14.3% walk rate, which is pretty freaking awesome. 19.5% K rate, so below 20% K rate, which is also awesome. Uh sorry, 47 runs, 33 RBIs. I screwed that one up too. Uh but so you've got on base percentage from JP Crawford. You've got uh, some po- more power than one expected. He projects out to 15 home runs for the year, 
and to be a 2.9 Fangraphs war player. He's increased his average exit velocity by four and a half miles an hour over last season. He put in a lot of work in the offseason to swing the bat harder and to make more contact or, or better contact with the ball. Um, his hard hit rate is only 39.1%, but that's the highest of his career by 5.4%. Uh, his pull rate is 41%, highest since 2018. All these things are good. He's impacting the ball more. Uh, however, what I found really fascinating with J.P. Crawford. So, again, 362 on base percentage. That's awesome. 757 OPS. That's awesome. 15 home runs from your starting shortstop. Take that as well. All those things are in line. All those things are great. Strong side platoon or strong side is better than a short side hitting has an 822 OPS against righties, 602 versus lefties. Great. All those things. Perfect. Wonderful. Love it. Above expectation offensively. uh, Three-war player. Here's where I worry. In 2020, J.P. Crawford's outs above average was in the 98th percentile. I test also says J.P. Crawford was a phenomenal defensive shortstop in 2020. 2021, it goes down to 54. So 54th percentile outs above average in 2021, big drop off, right? This year or 2022, he was in the second percentile. You heard me right, second percentile in outs above average in 2022. Where is he in 2023? First percentile in outs above average. He, according to Baseball Savant and their outs above average metric, J.P. Crawford is a is as horrible of a defensive shortstop or outs above average shortstop, excuse me, than as you can get. He also has a negative defensive fan graphs war, and it was negative in 22 as well, but it was positive from 19 to 21. So... I'm not the biggest uh, proponent of defensive metrics for baseball players, but you have to start somewhere. And if multiple metrics are saying the same thing, there's truth in it. The eye test also says to me that he's not remotely the the defensive shortstop that he was 2020 and, and prior. Another metric, his speed in So I'll just read the percentile speed on Savant, which measures your sprint speed versus other players in baseball. In 17, it was 70th. In 18, it was 73rd. In 19, it was 62nd. In 20, it was 45th. In 21, it was 61st. So you're talking about barring injuries somewhere in the 60th or 70th percentile for sprint speed. Last season, 38th percentile. This season, 36th. J.P. Crawford is not fast. He used to be above average um, speed-wise. He's now below average for a major leaguer. So you've got a shortstop who is obviously maturing as a hitter, but is declining defensively, does not make any plays um, that he's not supposed to make anymore, right? He does make the routine plays for the most part, but does not make the plays that he used to is a lot slower than he used to be. Um, So defensively and athletically, J.P. Crawford is in decline, and it's very clear in his numbers. Physically, he's in decline. He's a much smarter hitter now. He knows how to draw walks. That is his calling card. He is going to hit double-digit home runs. So I think there is a lot of value in Crawford um, as an offensive shortstop, believe it or not. Didn't think I'd say that. Uh but I do think there's question as to whether you want him to be your starting shortstop within the next couple of years. Does that mean the Mariners sign a free agent shortstop and move him to second? Maybe that is good for Crawford. Does it mean that um, he plays for the next couple of years and then the Mariners bring up one of their big shortstop prospects like a Cole Young or eventually Felman Celestin three years, four years from now, or an Axel Sanchez or um, uh, Arroyo? Maybe. Michael Arroyo, maybe, Uh, but it's interesting when you look under the hood with J.P. Crawford to see just how 
Um, physically, he has fallen off. Um, again, appreciate the offensive output. I think he is the table setter that the Mariners were looking for in, at the leadoff spot. I like him there. Um, I like moving Julio down a little bit more. I think that's where his bat belongs. But his speed and his defensive metrics have absolutely fallen off a cliff the last two years. And that is pretty crazy to see. Um, so he gets a B. The B is for the offense, not for the defense. Um, I will be very interested to see what his defense and his speed look like uh, moving forward. He has to walk at a very high clip to be of value to the Mariners. Uh, Jared Kelnick. So far, Kelnick is hitting 245. Uh, his OPS is 755, WRC plus 111. Nine and a half percent walk rate, 30, 33% K rate, 11 homers, 11 steals. So much of Kelnick's production came from the first month or so. Uh, we all know that. I have to be honest, I gave him a B for the year because you have to take into account that those first that first month and a half or so. But the reality is I'm worried about Jerry Kelnick. Very worried. Um, he projects out to 20 homers. 73 runs, 75 RBIs, 20 stolen bases, and a 2.7 Fangraphs war. He's run a really high BABIP at 348. Part of that is because he hits the ball very hard. Um, his ground ball rate is slightly high at 45%, pull rate of 43%. Uh, but hits the ball hard, as I said, impacts the ball when he hits it. It's just a matter of getting him to hit it. His whiff rate is eight and a half percent above league average. Uh, and his monthly batting average, March, April, it was 308. May, it was 250. June, it was 173. July, it's 222. So he had that big first month and fell off a cliff. I've spoken about this before. Average versus fastballs, 296 with a 533 slug. Average versus breaking balls, 200 versus off-speed, 215. And those have come up in the last month or so. Uh, he also is a 288, 845 OPS hitter versus lefties so far this season. And 232 with the 726 OPS versus righties. That is not something that I expected to see from Jared Kelnick. Uh, and then lastly, he's a 73rd percentile sprint speed and 72nd percentile outs above average. All right, lots of stats. So where does that leave us with him? 2020 projection, that's great. 2.7 Fangraphs war, you'll take that from your young 23-year-old uh, left fielder. But month to month, he's been on decline, and he can't hit anything but the fastball. There's also too much swing and miss. So we know he can hit the ball hard, but what I have in my notes is if he can learn to hit stuff with a wrinkle, meaning a, an off-speed or a breaking ball, he'll be a star. But if he can't, he is going to be a platoon player and one that can only hit a fastball. Um, he's going to have to take pitches and get into fastball counts to be effective. Defensively, in my notes, I said defensively, his outs above average is good, but his Fangraphs war defense is negative. The eye test says he's I. I, I think that's about where I, where I stand with him defensively. So... Again, is he a star? I don't know yet. I hope so. But he's going to have to make some big, big, big adjustments in order to get there. Too much swing and miss and can't hit a breaking ball. Uh, AJ Pollock. AJ Pollock was signed to a one-year, $7 million contract in the offseason. And he was signed to hit left-handed pitching. Basically, a hedge against uh, Jared Kelnick um, not being able to hit lefties. Uh, Pollock has been a, a star in the past. Um Go look at his numbers. You might question whether calling him a star is is exaggeration. Go look at his numbers. AJ Pollock has been very, very good career-wise. He's had some very, very good years. Uh, but all I cared about when he signed this contract was that he could hit left-handed pitching. Do you know what he's hitting against left-handed pitching so far this season? 136 with a 376 OPS. He's been horrendous. I gave him an F. Career, 277. 327 OBP, 840 OPS versus left-handers. So the career numbers say he hits lefties. Now his BABIP has been 161. That's very low. That means it's going to bring the average way, way down. But 
not so low that you would expect him to hit 136. Ground ball percentage, 50%. He's hitting a lot more ground balls than he has in the past. Um, but his batted ball metrics overall, they're down for his career, which you would expect at 35 years old, but they're not horrible. And he's been a bit unlucky. But how much longer can the Mariners carry A.J. Pollock and wait for him to to become that short side platoon left fielder or DH? To me, he's a DFA candidate. And as I've said, if Pollock can't hit righties, Caballero can't hit righties, and Dylan Moore can't hit righties, why are you carrying all three? Because the only, the two players that really do need to be in a platoon role are Colton Wong, if you keep him, and Jared Kelnick. So you've got three players essentially for two spots, in my opinion, from a roster construction perspective. AJ Pollock, again, is a DFA candidate. Would not surprise me to see Pollock get DFA'd. They're certainly going to choose, I think, Caballero or Dylan Moore over him. Um, more because of the three-year contract, I would assume, and because there's some upside there. Two more players. We're going to go Julio and then Teo. Uh, Julio is hitting 249, 310, the 721 OPS, and a 105 WRC+. Not impressive, right? His rate stats have been pretty poor. 7.1% walk rate, 25% K rate. Put that aside. Okay, rate stats, not great. You expect them to come up. Put that aside for a minute. Julio Rodriguez has been a 2.5 war player, 0.8 war better than the next best uh, Mariner from a, uh, offensively. 13 home runs, 52 runs, 49 RBIs, and 22 stolen bases. Julio Rodriguez has put up huge counting stats. He posts every day. Right, Julio plays every day. He's been an Iron Man in a lot of ways. I know he's sat a couple of games, but he is absolutely an Iron Man for the Mariners. His projections: twenty-four homers, ninety-five runs, eighty-nine RBIs, forty stolen bases, and a four and a half WAR player as a twenty-two-year-old center fielder. Also, he's been a Gold Glove center fielder. When I look at Julio as a center fielder visually with my eyes, I see a Gold Glover. I see a player who is so fast that he gets to absolutely everything. He made the one mistake with the drop in center field. He also missed the cutoff man the one time Scott Service went off. But that he's also 22, right? The numbers back it up. Sprint speed, 97th percentile. Outs above average, 99th percentile. So metrics also say that Julio has been a gold glove center fielder. These stats are incredible. Remember, he's 22. So you've got a 22-year-old who is a gold glove center fielder under team control until the, the world blows up and is on pace for 24 homers, 95 runs, 89 RBIs, and 40 stolen bases. It, and he hasn't gotten hot yet. If Julio Rodriguez gets hot or if he can start to get out in front of pitches and hit them to left field the way he did in the home run derby when he put up 41 home runs in, in round one because they were all to left field, I'm telling you, Julio is, he's going to hit 40 home runs. So if he gets hot this season, you are looking at a 30 homer, 40 steal, 100 run, 100 RBI, gold glove center fielder. That's Ronald Acuna, right? Like, so folks who are down on Julio, who say he's had a poor year thus far, who criticize him, go away. Let the kid grow. His his uh, his growth arc is, you know, he's progressing in a way that that I think is more than acceptable, right? The expectations for him are so far further and higher than anyone should ever have for a twenty two year old. He's been awesome. He's been awesome. His average exit velocity ninety third percentile, max exit velocity ninety seventh. Barrel rate, 63rd, but 3% lower than last season. I think that comes up as he starts to pull the ball more. Hard hit rate, 91st percentile. I'm telling you, man, the dude is a freaking superstar. I know people 
want him to be. And I'm telling you right now, he already is. I don't care about the rate stats. Look at the counting stats. Look at the defense. I gave him a B plus because he needs to pull the ball more. And I think there's a lot more power in the bat. Um, He knows that. My expectations for Julio are incredibly high as well. Um, His rate stats are not nearly where they should be. I think he is an 850 to 900 OPS player. I think Julio can hit 300 if he can learn to balance pulling the ball in the air with driving the ball to left field, with driving the ball to right center. That's going to come with experience. That's going to come with better pitch recognition, right? You want to see Julio go with the pitch more. And so if he has breaking stuff that he can pull, then he should try to pull it. If he has fastballs in fastball counts, he should try to get out in front. But he's got to get into those counts first. And right now, obviously, it looks like he's swinging all the time and hitting the first or second pitch that he sees. Julio gets a B-plus for me. But that's because the expectation of Julio Rodriguez is so high. Again, don't be surprised if it's a 30-40 season with 100 runs and 100 RBIs and a gold glove. This is freaking amazing. Um, you're talking about Ken Griffey Jr., talking about Ronald Acuna. That's the stratosphere that Julio is approaching. All right, lastly, Teo Scar Hernandez. I gave Teo a B plus. Teo was acquired in the offseason from the temp or from the Toronto Blue Jays for Adam Mako and Eric Swanson. So far this season, he's hitting 250 with a 306 on base percentage and a 744 OPS. Uh Teo has 15 homers, 42 runs, 50 RBIs, and five stolen bases, good for a 109 WRC+. Um, he projects to a to 27 homers, 76 runs, 91 RBIs, and nine stolen bases, a 2.2 Fangraphs war player. Also hits the ball extremely hard. I won't run through all of them, but he hits the ball super hard. He hits the ball in the air. Um he doesn't pull the ball as much as most major leaguers do. He's 1.4% below league average, and he swings and misses a ton. 35% whiff rate, which is 10% higher than league average, and yet he still is putting up the numbers that you would expect from him. His ex-slug, expected slugging, is 50 points higher than it actually is, um, and he is a 62nd percentile outs above average right fielder. I, I That's a surprise to me, as is his 77th percentile sprint speed. Um, a couple of things to knock 16.8% swinging strike rate is very high. It's the high, his highest since 2018. And he's hit lefties much better than righties. 891 OPS against lefties, 698 against right-handers. Um, so hits the ball hard. There was a stress where he couldn't hit a slider. Um, we remember that that was not fun to watch. He was waving at slider after slider after slider, but I think he's put that in the rear view mirror. Uh, he's got a ton of swing and miss, but his barrel rate and his hard hit rate are elite. He's on pace for 27 homers and 91 RBIs. Uh, if he got slightly hotter than he has been the first half, you're talking about 30 home runs and 100 RBIs, which is what the Mariners, I think Mariners would be elated if you told them that's what they were acquiring in the offseason. Uh, his defense and his speed have been a surprise to me, as I said. I, I like Taylor. I hope the Mariners re-sign Taylor Hernandez and put him in right field next season. I think he is a positive addition to the club. He's a leader. He hits the ball hard. He is a prototypical three, 30 home run, 100 RBI, strong arm right fielder, and uh, super fun for me to watch. So those are my grades. Um, some deep dives into the production of each player on offensive player on the 26-man roster. Again, Cal Raleigh gets a B. Tom Murphy gets an A. Ty France gets a C minus. Mike Ford an A plus. Colton Wong an F. Caballero an A. Dylan Moore incomplete. Eugenio Suarez C plus. JP Crawford B. Jared Kelnick B. AJ Pollock F. Julio B plus. Tailscar Hernandez B plus. Um, the Mariners definitely need to go out and acquire a either a second first base second base or a dh bat i think that it's imperative if they expect to make a playoff run to um replace i would assume aj pollock on uh the roster with barring injury with a much better bat a bat that can dh most of the time 
um, preferably a right-handed kind of middle-of-the-order type of hitter. Again, I go back to Jorge Soler. I know I say him every podcast. That is the player I would love to see. You sit Soler once in a while against a tough right-hander and play Mike Ford. Mike Ford plays maybe 50% of the games where he's subbing in for Ty France sometimes and subbing in for Jorge Soler sometimes. But very effective bat off the bench. I think that a player like Soler would just would do wonders for this lineup. I think you would see um, this offense completely change. As it stands, the Mariners' offense is not horrible. Um, it's a league average offense with regards to runs runs per game. So we'll see what happens. Um, it's exciting to me because I think that uh, I think that there's a ton of room for improvement with the Mariners um, offensively, and they're still in the hunt, right? Still in the AL West hunt, still in the, certainly in the wild card hunt. So that was the Mariners offense. Um, I will be back tomorrow. I will give grades for the Mariners pitchers. I'll do a deep dive as I did today. I know it's numbers heavy. That's just how my brain works. That's how I evaluate players. Um, but this was a lot of fun. Excited for the Mariners in the second half. Be back tomorrow. As I said, with these, with the, uh, Mariners pitching grades, uh, Thank you for listening to the Mariners cast. We are presented by Sports Ethos. Uh, once again, you can find me on Twitter at Tino Junior 20. That's T-I-N-O-J-R-2-0. And the podcast at Ethos Mariners, E-T-H-O-S-M-A-R-I-N-E-R-S. Enjoy your Wednesday, July 12th. Uh, we will be back tomorrow. Mariners will be back on Friday to face the Detroit Tigers at home. Take care, y'all. Appreciate the listen. Peace.